Hello, everybody, and welcome here to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am one of your hosts, John Rob, joined here by my always fabulous co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing good. Doing fabulous. we got a great one today. Uh, we are going to be talking to international best-selling author Tess Gerritsen. She'll be talking about her latest book, The Shape of Night, which is not a Rizzoli and Isles mystery. Of course, you do know her from Rizzoli and Isles, so this will be a good one. I'm looking forward to it, yeah, and... Um got some great questions for her lined up here so we'll see how it goes that's true and want to remind you that all of our shows here are brought to you by kensington books so visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on their authors and what they got going on so you ready let's do it without any further ado everybody here we go best-selling author tess gerritsen the shape of night enjoy well hello everybody we are very excited to be joined here with best-selling author Tess Gerritsen to talk about her latest book, uh, The Shape of Night, which is out in October. So when you listen to this episode, the book will be out. So Tess, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? We're doing fabulous. Awesome. Jeff and I are very excited to have you on. When we, when we found out that we could have you on, we were like, oh, it's about time. We haven't talked to Tess in so long to see what's going on. And it's, not <laughs> like you have, it's not like you've done a lot in the past, you know, four or five years. <laughs> well, I, I'm, um, I'm all over the place now. I kind of feel like it's, it's, it's time at this stage in my life to just do all the projects I'm really crazy about. And that perfect because, you know, we, more, more Tess, better. Let's put it that way. You know, we see it. And there's some things we would like to get into also. I mean, you got movies going on and everything else. But, hey, let's do The Shape of Night right now. And uh, this is not a Rizzoli and Isles book, just to let people know. This is uh, one of your standalones. So tell everybody a little bit about what you got going on in this one. Um, well, it is about a woman who has a very painful secret. She's, um, she is struggling with shame by because of something she did so she flees boston and she moves to a village in maine where she rents this mansion that's rumored to be haunted by a sea captain's ghost and isolated in this house she um she wakes up one night and finds the ghost of uh, the sea captain standing in her bedroom so here she's finally found someone she can confess her shame to because who keeps better secrets than a ghost and who is a better lover than a ghost? That's the other question. <laughs> um, but um, she starts to wonder whether this is actually a really dangerous thing that's happening because she finds out every woman who's ever lived in this house has died in this house. Uh, so it's it's a suspense thriller, it's a psychological thriller, and it's uh, a lot of gothic uh, overtones. I, I love the idea of a ghost lover, um, but... <laughs> Uh, curious, um, you wrote this in first person. How difficult was it telling this story in first person? It had to be told in first person, I think, um, because there's so much uh, about Ava, my heroine, um, that uh, is, is haunting her, and I think it's, it's best told in that really personal way. Um, plus, there's a lot of uh, sensual, you know, sensuous details, I guess I could call that. Uh, she's a food writer, and she talks about food and thinks about food, and that just felt like a first-person point of view. Okay. Now, what was the biggest thing that got you back to want to write this book? Was it the characters? Was it an idea you kind of had rolling around? Because, of course, this is not a Rizzoli and Isles idea, so this is something that must have been percolating for quite some time. It, it did, and it, it started off as a screenplay about 20, 30 years ago, in fact, um, where I wrote a book about a woman who uh, falls in love with a ghost in her haunted house. Um, it's sort of the, cap, the, you know, the ghost and Mrs. Muir, but really, really sexy. 
Um, I never finished that script, but that's that idea of what is the perfect lover has stuck with me all these decades. And then finally, I thought, let's let's turn this into a book again. Let's let's try again. Um, and I think the difference is that I realize that there's a really important theme going on here, and it's the sense of shame. What is it about shame? that can really destroy your life and how it affects the way you think, the way you dream, um, and how are the different ways you would punish yourself. So it's, it's that theme that actually made it all come together for me, not just the haunted house, but a heroine who is suffering from something that she, she did that she just can't recover from and how this has gone on to change everything about her life and, and possibly end it. Uh. My wife and I are going to be visiting the coast of Maine here in a bit for our anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I have to ask, what is it about the coast of Maine, and why am I now kind of scared to go visit the coast of Maine? <laughs> well, you know, it's really funny. We're, we're probably one of the safest states in the country. Low murder rates, no dangerous animals. Even our snakes are not poisonous, so there is nothing to be afraid of in Maine. <laughs> it's just that there's, um, it seems to attract writers, and it seems to especially attract uh, suspense authors. Um, so I think we've given it this scary reputation that does not deserve. <laughs> you know, but I love it when authors dive into emotions, um, something that, you know, of course, you as an author – uh, have just never experienced what your character is going to experience. So when you kind of dive into those emotions, you know, like you said, like the perfect lover and, and those types of things, how are you able to kind of put yourself in the character's position? And are you surprised sometimes by the way that they act? Oh, I, all the time. You know, this book was so much more character-driven than, than other books because it all revolves around who, about Ava and who she is. I think a large part of being a good writer is maybe being a bit of an actor. Uh, you know how actors can immerse themselves in a character who doesn't exist? Um, and there's a large amount of empathy that's required to, to really feel what they're feeling. It's, um, it, you know, by the time you've finished writing the story a year later, sometimes it's hard to shake those characters off. Um, but uh, that's, that's really what it's all about. It's, it's, it's just trying to inhabit their souls. And looking at the the world through their eyes. And, and honestly, I, I am surprised a lot. Um, when I started the book, I just knew that Ava was ashamed of something, but I didn't know what. Um, and I knew this shame was driving her, and it was only about maybe two-thirds of the first draft that I realized what she had done. And, um, it, and it, that was a surprise to me. So, yeah, I, I'm surprised by them all the time. <laughs> I'm curious, since you have written FBI, you've written forensic stuff, you've dived into space even, and now you're kind of into the gothic end, what is the Tess Gerritsen brand? I don't know what it is. I think the Tess Gerritsen brand is whatever has gotten my interest. Um, I'll say it's damn good. How about that? Yeah, just, you know... In, in two I, words, damn good. <laughs> curiosity. Yeah, curiosity draws me in all kinds of different directions, so um, I do what I'm, what I'm interested in. Yeah, now, and when you're kind of writing outside Rizzoli and Isles, of course, um, do, do people, do, re, do readers, you know, see like a little different Tess Gerritsen because, you know, those books – you know, have those two iconic characters that, that are in, and then you're able to kind of explore. But do you see a different little Tess Garrison with the writing? Do you do something that you want to do a little bit different, explore, like, you know, 
more emotional things, more characters, more settings in, in those types of standalone books. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that are different. One of them is the voice. I think the voice changes. Well, when I'm doing Rizzoli and Niles, it's, it's really much a crime fiction voice, and, and, and you, you are well aware of, you know, most crime fiction writers have that particular suspenseful way of, of telling a thriller. When I write something such as uh, Playing with Fire, which was a historical novel, or The Bone Garden, another historical novel, um, I find that my language changes. Uh, maybe the descriptions become a little more lush, um, and maybe I take my time, you know, setting, giving you the setting and the atmosphere. So, so there's a, a, there is a, a change in voice. Um, and also, I like to point out gravity. That, that, for me, was very much, in matter-of-fact, almost a journalistic voice as I'm trying to talk about what the space program is like. I get into a book like, um, you know, The Shape of Night, and I think I was calling back to all those great Gothic novels I remember reading as a child. Um, so there was that, that overwhelming sense of dread. You don't know where the dread's coming from. And also that really intimate um, first-person female voice that, uh, that came through. Well, since Resilient Owls has come up a couple times, I have to say I absolutely love that show, and the network was stupid to cancel it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, a, you know, it was a question of a couple of things, and one of them was uh, the demographics of who, who was watching. Uh, advertising is such an important part of, of making money in television, and they want that young demographic. Um, and Rizzoli and Owls was, was pulling in sort of a middle-aged female demographic that apparently advertisers think uh, does not buy product. And uh, I, I agree with you. I think it was a crazy reason to, uh, to pull away from the show because it, it ended up, you know, at the top of TNT's ratings. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if it might be salary or something too. But I'm wondering, could you talk a bit about your cameo and how that <laughs> came about filming? Because I love <laughs> seeing you on there. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, they I, they had asked me, I think, several times, would I be in a cameo? And I said, yes, yes, but, you know, they couldn't come up with a, with a role for me. Um, and then they said, how about you just come and play yourself? So um, the, the situation in, the, in that episode is that Maura is thinking about becoming a crime writer. And she goes to a writer's convention, and while she's there, somebody says, oh, you really must meet the suspense author, Tess Gerritsen. And so... I do my walk-on playing myself, meeting my characters, and it was kind of this really meta <laughs> situation where I'm standing there talking to Jane and Maura, who are my creations. That's, that's so got to be cool. cool. Yeah, that had to be neat. It was well, kind of like, you know, what was it? Kind of like Stephen it, King went in the, in the Dark Tower where the character met Stephen King in the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was fun for me was um, to you know, just to get that, whole experience of coming in, getting your costume fitting, and, um, and getting, you know, I, I actually got a trailer for the day. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but um, I, was, I was more nervous than I expected. I thought, I'm going to forget my lines. I only had like three lines. <laughs> <laughs> but I got, I got to um, really and truly respect what actors do. I mean, it's not just saying your lines. It's saying your lines ten different ways so they can take yeah. ten different camera angles. Um, it's hard work and I think just that one little scene took uh, half the day to film. Oh, 
I was on set one time for someone who was doing a trailer for a book, and it was a two-and-a-half-minute trailer, and it took six hours to <gasps> oh do. Oh, my gosh. Oh yeah, my because gosh. you're going from different angles, and they're doing right. the scene over and over. It's like, okay, now we're going to shoot over the shoulder, this person's shoulder, and get the close-up, right. so go. <laughs> right, and the energy that's required, to, I mean, to, to be able to maintain that energy as an actor, I know. That's, that's really tough. <laughs> Now, with the book, The Shape of Night, and you said you've got a little gothic and now it's ghost story, but the one thing that you're kind of doing, which is really cool, is you've teamed up with your son, and you decided to make an indie horror film called Island Zero. You've yeah. got to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I love horror films, and I, I remember just telling my son, who's, who was a, you know, he, he isn't a filmmaker, he was just doing documentaries. I said, oh, let's make a horror film someday, and he said, you write it, Mom, we'll do it. Um, so that, that's what happened. I, I sat down and I wrote this script. That's um, I, I, it's set on an island off the coast of Maine. It's the winter time, um, and one day the ferry doesn't show up, and the ferry brings everything to this island, uh, and everybody's phone is phones are, have gone dead, and every time they send a fisherman to the mainland, he doesn't come back. So it's these, you know, this group. It's, it's really very sort of an isolated. Um, locked door mystery where why what's happening and why are dead bodies starting to show up um, so we had a great we had a lot of fun I learned a lot uh, we both learned a lot about feature filmmaking um, made a lot of mistakes which we will not make uh, in our next film <laughs> and uh, <laughs> primarily what I learned as a producer and the writer is how to how to you know stick to a budget a little bit better that was the main thing is, um, I learned how expensive it is to break a window yeah, you know, um, it, you, so you write that into the script. Well, there it's five hundred dollars right there. Yep. You know, cross that out. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, okay. We'll just we'll just we'll just look at the window. <laughs> yeah, right, and and we'll the break other thing, a bottle. <laughs> I know, and then you know they say never don't shoot on the water, don't have animals, don't have kids, and boy, we we broke where every one of those you know those rules uh, for expenses. But wait a second. But you said your next film. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm working on um on an adaptation of my book Bloodstream. Again set in Maine, again Ooh. in a small community where the teenagers suddenly start to go bonkers. Um so we just thought it would be fun to do this again um but knowing more than we did the last time. Well, you're not joking. You figured this is the time to do it. You're doing it, aren't you? Yeah, and and my <laughs> son and I are just finishing up uh we're doing the edits now for a, a feature documentary. Uh, about the long history of humans and pigs, um, the pig is the oh. animal. So uh, that and that has turned up some really fascinating stuff. Wow. Well, I have to say, I think the main uh, coast tourist industry is taking a nosedive here. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to think, or that getting really, bigger, depending yeah, on which side places. you're looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it sounds like to me that you are having fun working in films with your son does that mean that the hollywood world has sort of gone away you know i don't i just really don't think too much about that end of the coast because i really love doing we love doing our own thing we love being in charge of distribution and being in charge of everything and not dealing with movie studios it's like we are the studio um, and you know, now that Island Zero is that we're probably about to sign an international distribution deal for the for Island Zero. Um, I don't know if we're going to make back our budget, but um, it was it was really worth the experience, and it was and and we have a product, and it's still being watched. So I kind of like doing being an indie uh, book writer. Um, it's fun having having the control. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and, you know, books are a little bit different. You kind of know a pub date like The Shape of Night, October 1st, 2019. But with the movie, you have to go out and you're going to have to try to sell it and you're going to have to try to get it done. So this thing could sit in the can for a couple more years probably before maybe anything happens. You're going to take it to any film festivals and try to get it seen there and things like that? Oh, well, Island Zero did get into a couple film festivals, and what we did do is we went through to a, um, we went to through distributor, so it came out on, um, you know, like, you could, you could pick, you could watch it on cable TV, I mean, it came oh, okay. to uh, several cable networks, and it was on Am- Apple and Amazon, so, yeah. It's, oh, it, it is it, out there. Yeah, no, it's, it's viewable, it just didn't oh, get I gotta the theatrical distribution, let's put it you that You think way. somebody put it on YouTube? Uh, yes, we've had to take that down a couple times. Oh, darn it. <laughs> no, that, that, that is the other thing we learn is, is how you got to keep your, you know, you got to be there with the pirates coming in because movies, you know, every time it's, it's up there, it's taken. Yeah. Are we going to see a flat-out straight horror novel from you in the future? I, I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, I never say never. Um, it's, I don't think so because it's not really what I write. I, I ha- always have one foot firmly in you know reality, and those people who read The Shape of Night, they're going to think, oh, this is a ghost story. But at, by the end of the book, I think they're gonna, they should be thinking, was that a ghost story? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, because I always want to leave this, this question of what you know, the interpretation of what really happened in the story. And I, and I was going to say to an earlier question, I think that's why you wrote it in first person. Which I also. <laughs> yeah, because uh, there's a little bit of is this narrator? Is she all there? <laughs> um, I love people that aren't all there. They're so entertaining. They're so entertaining, right? especially this woman. <laughs> uh, any plans to do um, one of your historical novels with your son? Uh, with my um, well, or in general. No, not really. Well, f- first of all, I would never do a film that's a historical because it's just too expensive. Yeah, that would be uh, really expensive. Right. Yeah, the budget for that would be Period out. pieces, yeah. I love writing historical novels, and um, I, I have one that I'm thinking about, but it's, it's like way in the distance. Uh, right now I'm, I'm writing more. Um, it's another Maine-based story. It's based on the fact that I live in this peculiar little town that seems to have a weird number of retired spies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like the CIA is, is, is out in our woods somewhere and everybody's living here, and, I, and I, I'm not sure why, but I thought that's an interesting setting for a novel. I, I'm telling my the, wife we're not going to Maine now. Sorry. It's <laughs> funny how the author might... No, dude, all the CIA people are there. You're safe. <laughs> Live where the cops are. No one will mess with you. That's the whole idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, you know, i got to ask, because Rizzoli and Iowa fans are going to ask, when are you going to give them something uh, something more? Because uh, your last book, I know, is secret, of course, for Rizzoli, was Rizzoli and Iowa. So when are you going to have another one come out? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just uh, I I'm waiting. You know, it, sometimes I, it, it may have been the last one, but I'm not sure yet. And I haven't closed any doors. Um, I just need a really great idea for Jane and Maura. That's all. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Are you um, so? I, I sort of get the impression you're not really forced to do what a lot of authors are—the whole one novel a year thing. No, you know what? I I made this uh, decision, uh, I think, a couple years ago, and I just thought, 
quality of life is really important. Um, and I don't want to go into old age thinking all these about all these books I should have written. So <clears throat> I just I just stopped signing contracts. Um, and so I write a book and then I turn it in and then the contract gets drawn up. So oh. it's I'm doing everything on spec now, and I feel it's so freeing. Um, Creatively, I write what I want to write. If they don't want it, that's fine. I can find another way to publish it. Um, and I'm just doing the projects that mean a lot to me. That's, that's wonderful. You know, and that's and you know what? You deserve it. And and that's you've, you've taken your career to the point where you can write the damn phone book if you want to, and and that's where you're at. And that's right. And, that's, and, and that's, if that's the fact is. that I don't have a contract means that I can take my time with the book, and it means yeah. if I want to drop out for a year and make a movie with my son, I can do that as well. So it's yeah. it's like life has just become more more richer and more interesting, and we're doing a lot more traveling because of this pig documentary. So <laughs> <laughs> we're I mean we've been to uh, for the pig doc we've been to um, I mean all over the. U.S., but we went to Egypt, we went to England, um, just interviewing uh, various experts in, 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 in swine. <laughs> so. Well, I'll tell you, if you ever want to, you should go to Cambodia, because when we were in Cambodia, we sat there, and coming up next to us was a little moped, and on the back were two live pigs strapped down, and I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well for the pig. No, it never ends out well it's with the pig. It's not going to end well for the pig. <laughs> and that's, that's part of what, what drew, you know, drew us to this whole idea, is that they're such intelligent. Yeah. Such, I mean, there's so much like us, and it's, it's sad, but, you know, it's their fate because they taste so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you're not, I, when we were at Thriller Fest, you're not the only one um, to kind of take the approach that you're doing without the contract because John Lasquale just said that's what he's going to – that's what he just started doing. He goes, this is the first time he's ever written without a deadline. And he said, it was, he said I'm kind of creeped out, but it's actually kind of free. <laughs> Incredibly freeing. Now, it, you know, it, it also means you, that you probably won't, won't be writing yeah, a book a year, but True. Uh, that's okay. That's true, but you know, I mean, you have over twenty some books under you. I mean, come on, it's it's time. You you have the you have the freedom to be able to write what you want, and I think that's the I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and I think I, I think I'm actually more creative now without that. Um, the right. other thing that I got away from was everybody wants Rosalie and Isles. Rosalie and Isles. Yeah, I love those girls, I know. but um, I understand why Conan Doyle uh, killed Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> See. There I think go. a lot of authors feel that way, but some of them just can't turn down that check. That's right. That's I'm right. And I'm at honest. a point now where it doesn't really matter to me anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. So where's the best place for everyone to find out more about you? Your website, TessGarrison.com, and where um, are you going to be out doing anything uh, for people to find, you know, book signings and things? You got you have that tour getting ready for October? No, actually, um, it just turns out that I am going to be in Europe during the t- first two weeks of the book's release. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. That was planned last year, and I was not going to change that. Uh, but I will be touring in um, the U.K. and uh, Turkey and the Netherlands. So um, it's funny. It's just gonna, it's going to be an out-of-country tour. Now, and. How how now when you go to other countries and you tour, do you see a difference in the fan between the United States and like European fans? You know, I I, I really really do, and it's fascinating. When I go to Turkey, my fans are all really young. They oh. are, um, and, and there there are a lot of men, and they're I mean, we're talking like girls from sixteen up to thirty five. That seems to be my major fan base in Turkey. I go to Germany, and my fan base is much more 50-50% male-female than the U.S., and also also younger. 
in the U.S. it tends to be older people um, and most, almost all women. So it's, it really varies. It's, it's uh, quite, uh, quite um, striking, the difference. Well, maybe TNT can find those younger fans in Europe and continue Rizzoli and I is over there since that's the younger generation that reads your books. I know. Well, I'm glad some younger generation people are reading the books. I'm just glad younger generation are reading it all. Let's put it oh, that I know, I know. Also, I mean, that's a whole different conversation we could get into, but hey, it's still at least they're reading. I, if I were breaking into publishing now, I don't know how I would do. I think it's a really, really tough for new writers uh, because everybody's distracted. It is tough, I, and I always say it's a great time for fans, hard time for authors to try to get above the noise, but fans, you have an abundance of things you want to read if you just want to take the time and go find stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Everything's and out there. There's, there's way more than anybody could ever read. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Hey, Taz, this has been a fab, uh, fabulous conversation. We want to thank you so much for joining us after all these years. We can't make this a stranger, so, but, <laughs> you know, now that we know when your books are coming out, maybe we're going to have to try to get you back on, but, you know, to talk about the movie or, or anything that you got, I mean, we'd love to have you on just to chat. Oh, sure, and it's always fun to talk about the movie business and what to do oh. and what not to do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So thank you again so much. The book, again, is called The Shape of Night and is out October 1st. You get it however you want to find it, however you want to get it. It's available in every format you want. So, Tess, thank you again so much, and we will talk with you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.